Good morning, everybody, and hi to everybody online. Um, it's good to see everyone. We've been doing a series called Connected by Design, and I apologize in advance that I'm going to be sharing some things that are um, obvious, <laughs> so you may want to take notes very carefully. Um, but I think it just sometimes helps to reaffirm kind of where we are and what we're doing. We are connected in many ways. We're connected by family, we're connected by school, we're connected by jobs, we're connected by sports, um, some perhaps more than others. Um, we, we're connected to a different group of people in different places. And yet there's one connection that counts for eternity. And that's our relationship with Jesus and what God has done um, in our lives. I want to talk a minute about the church, the Colossians. Um, we think that it was written about 30 years after Jesus resurrected from the dead, and they had a lot of problems. They had false teaching. They had mystery cults, which is, I guess, different than non-mysterious cults. I mean, the mystery was that you couldn't tell anybody you were in it, um, So, as opposed to the gospel, where you share openly. Uh, the Colossians, some of the some of the teaching was questioning the deity of Jesus, and that's a big deal. And that might kind of sound like today in some ways. Um, the Greco-Roman philosophers thought that all things were held together by Zeus and by divine reason, which sounds kind of exciting to me. Aren't you glad everything is held together by Zeus? Um, any voice that questions the life of Jesus, the resurrection, the ascension, the Holy Spirit should be a red flag. It should be something that is, you know, in your spirit. Anything that is questioning that, um, you need to really think about if you hear teaching on that. The gospel is more than a story. It's truth. It's alive. It's the good news. It's redemption. It's love. It's the greatest gift. I want to go through just a couple of the verses real fast, and then, then we'll look at some other things. But, but basically in verse 9 of Colossians 1, uh, Paul is talking about wisdom from the Holy Spirit because they were looking to other people and other teachers to give them wisdom, and they were saying the wrong things. And he was saying, you know, learn what you have heard from us, embrace what you've heard from us. Wisdom comes from the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, there have been times in my office, and I'm sure other pastors would say the same things, where you have no clue what to say. And it's God's gift. It's, it's God speaking that sometimes gives the answer to the situation. In verse 10, Paul talks about bear fruit. And he said that earlier in the chapter. And anytime you see a duplication, it's a big deal in Scripture. So he talks about bearing fruit and how important it is. And this reference actually goes back to Genesis 1.28 when scripture says that we are to be fruitful and multiply. And that's also the passage that talked that we were created in the image of God. And we know what sin did to that, but, but this goes back to that time. Verse 11 talks about God's strength. Sometimes I confess I do not feel strong at all. Um, it's God's strength. It's not my strength. It's God's strength. Verse 13 talks about how he rescued us from darkness. I don't know how your life was before Jesus. Um, I mean, my mom took us to, the ch to church all the time, but when I accepted Jesus as my Savior, it was different. 
And it was like coming out of darkness into the light. Um, Redemption because of the cross is verse 14. That there is redemption no other way. It's through Jesus. It's not through some other philosopher or you thinking good thoughts or anything like that. Redemption comes through what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. Verses 15 through 20, they feel like may have been an early Christian hymn. It may have been something that had been recited. Um, And it's also very close to the first chapter of John. I want to read 15 through 20 real fast and then look at John 1. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." All things was mentioned, I, I didn't ask you to count how many times, but, but Paul is saying that Jesus is Lord of all. He's over everything. He was in the beginning. He will be in the end. He is the first and the last. The Gospel of John begins this way, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Those passages are so strong, and and so strong about Jesus and about what he has done for us, and the supremacy of him. So I just really encourage you, if... If you hear of any teaching or anything that does not line up with Scripture, that does not line up with what Jesus did on the cross, that should be a huge red flag um, because it's not true. The Christian life is about transformation, about stepping out of the darkness and into the light. Transformation is not easy. Transition is not easy, right? Can I have an amen? Y'all are asleep. Um, too many donuts. Um, transformation is hard, and we can't do it ourselves. That's a God thing. It's like needing someone that needs to change their heart. You can't change your heart. I mean, you can try. You can think good thoughts. You can forgive. You can do all those things. But God is the one that brings healing to our hearts. He is the one that, that brings healing to all. We are going to be starting um, Emotionally Healthy Relationships tonight at the church. And I've been through Emotionally Healthy Spirituality three times, I guess two and a half, COVID. We had to stop for COVID. I haven't gone through it that many times because I'm dense, although some may, you know, want to counter that. Um, But it brought change every time. Every time I took it, there was more change in what was said and in what was done, what was communicated. Um, It's not particularly easy. 
it's not super hard. I mean, I don't want you to think it's a root canal without Novocaine. But, but it is, when you bring change, that's not always easy. And so I'm grateful for that course, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to take relationships. Um, did I want to be a chicken and not take relationships? Yes. You know, uh, I mean, when you come from a situation that maybe is not so easy, um, relationships can sound kind of scary. But I'm trusting that God is in it, and he is. And that's part of transformation. That's part of continuing to be what he has called us to be. Bearing fruit is an ongoing process. It's not something that happens instantly. It would be nice. But bearing fruit is certainly a process. Pastor John talked about some of that. We talked about that in sowing the seed and fruit that comes. Um, For Christians, for everyone, I would say, we need each other on this journey. On this journey, it's hard to imagine doing this alone. You know, John Wesley was not the most um, diplomatic of people. Uh, He kind of just cut to the chase. Um, But he is the one that commented, there is no such thing as holy solitude. And he was talking about the Desert Fathers when Constantine made everybody a Christian. And of course, not everybody was a Christian. The Desert Fathers went out to the desert to try to hear God. And he was just saying, we need to gather Wesley was famous for his bands, the the groups of people that gathered together and weekly and just would say to each other, how are you doing? My translation, not exactly what they said. But you look each other in the eye and say, you know, how are you doing? How are you growing? What's going on with you? It's really critical to be able to do that. We have no perspective alone. You are by yourself, or if you are, you know, thinking about yourself or trying to reflect on yourself, it is very hard to have perspective alone. Yes? Would you agree? When, um, when I was about 20, I was on staff at Tyler Street United Methodist Church and um, working with children and wound up working with everybody, but um, working with children at that time, and Ann Morell, who's the pastor's wife, just talk to me about inner healing or healing of memories, whatever you want to call it. When people call it healing of memories, they think, you know, it's not about that you kind of, you can't remember things and so God heals that. You know, it's, it's healing over what maybe what has happened in your past. And so I agreed with her and I went to see someone I did not know at all um, who was great. And in that, I began to have, and it wasn't one session, it's usually not one session. It certainly wasn't for me. But in that, I began to have compassion for my father. And prior to that, even as a Christian, I struggled with him. I struggled with things he would say or do. Um, alcoholic. Um, bipolar, probably. Not on meds. And so it was pretty rough at times. And yet I began to have compassion for what he had gone through and for where he was, which was unusual. And I remember, and to the point that I asked him for forgiveness for my crummy attitude at time and all that kind of stuff. And so with all of that, and he didn't ask my forgiveness, which I wasn't, uh, if I'm honest, I was looking for it, but no, it didn't happen, just sorry. But I did what I felt like I was supposed to do. 
And I remember saying to Tom, my brother, um, or just saying to a couple of people, my dad has changed so much. My father has just changed. And a little bit later, I heard Tom saying to someone, Cindy has changed so much. And see, healing goes both ways, you know? Healing goes both ways. And so in all of that, I was able to, I had no perspective on myself. You know, you think you're doing pretty good. I remember going to see the doctor when we were going through a fairly stressful time here at the church. Um, Doug was ill and, and had to take medical leave, and, and we had an a interim guy, and it, there was just a lot to do in all of that. And I remember going to the doctor, and I thought I was doing really pretty good, and I thought I kind of had it together, and, you know, and, and she said, no, you don't, um, and prescribed something that I did feel. Um, and later, when I saw her, once John was here and all of that, she said, you were doing so much better. She said, you were so stressed the last time you came in. And I was just kind of like, me? Stressed? Um, That's sarcasm. Sorry. Um, Anyway, just saying that we need each other. We need each other. Um, We're better together. I taught Bible at Carrollton Christian Academy for 10 years. And... um, I always sarcastically, and I apologize in advance, um, Becky Jackson told Charles Jackson that he was way too sarcastic because it was kind of like biting sarcasm, not funny sarcasm. You get there's a difference, right? Um, So I always wanted to kind of say, tell me what you did this summer because they hate that, right? You know, everybody asks that, what did you do this summer? Have y'all had to do that yet? Um, So I asked them, I had a sheet, just, you know, tell me who are your friends. Tell me what music you listen to. Tell me what books you read. You know, tell me what movies. Because in that, I kind of knew where they were coming from. And I asked them about their spiritual journey. In that, I worded it carefully. It wasn't like, are you saved or going to hell? But anyway, just trying to be subtle. Um, And one guy wrote back, who's a good guy, good guy, Uh, but he wrote back, I just enjoy meditating with God by myself. I don't see the need, you know, to go to church. Um, I just kind of, in nature, you know, um, feel close to God. And my first thought was liar, because you're sleeping in every Sunday morning. I mean, I wasn't fooled by that. Okay, guy, but by yourself doesn't work really. Can maybe a few people do that? Maybe. Often we need each other. We need to be in community. We need to be taught things that we might not understand on our own. Sometimes people say they just don't want to come to church because they just can't or their medical reasons or whatever. I get that. I totally get that. Sometimes there are medical issues, especially with COVID, where people, it's just not safe. Um, Sometimes people have been hurt by the church, and so they don't want to come back because they don't want to be hurt again. But I guess what I say to that is don't let a hurtful moment in your life keep you from growing and transforming and becoming more like Jesus. 
And part of me wants to say, when people say I've been hurt at the church, it's like, join the club. I mean, we are all sinners, right? We have all had things go on or situations in church where we felt like something wasn't right. Certainly not here, but I'm kidding. But just saying, you know, I know things like that happen. The whole point is, let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on Jesus, okay? Um, in 2014, uh, my life pretty much fell apart in a, in a moment. Your life can change, like, literally, in moments. And Robert was 19 years old, and he was able to tell me, he was able to put into words that he had been abused by his father, um, my husband, from birth until about 13, until he was 13 years old. Um, and I didn't want to land in prison because I wanted to kill somebody. Um, that sort of is a joke, um, but not really, as God says. There, there were several men in the church that mentioned they had guns and knew what to do with them. Um, but it was community. It was Jesus, but it was also community that helped us walk through that, all of us. And your life can change in a minute, and you may have no clue. And it felt like everything had just crumbled because, oh, everything had, you know? But seeing Maria, the counselor we saw, she talked about the scripture in Colossians. She said, he is before all things, and he holds all things together. And she said, he holds you together right now. And she was right. And I was very grateful it wasn't Zeus, you know, or some divine whatever. It was the Lord. He is Lord of all. That's what Paul was trying to say in this passage. He was trying to say he's above everything. He's above everything. That he is Lord of all. I think it's so important when we can gather that we do. I get it that sometimes it's just not possible. My mom was in church, you know, from when she was little until she was about 85, and part of that is we took her car away, but, um, <laughs> and we kind of did, but uh, she had to move up to Louisville, and she was a member at Tyler Street United Methodist Church, and I was so grateful for those that would come and bring her communion. She was just where she couldn't get out anymore. Um, she started watching TV preachers, which made me very nervous. It's like, who are you, who are you watching? You know, I'd kind of like to know, because some of them are um, unusual. And she also was watching MASH, and she had never done that, ever growing up. I mean, she worked all day and worked long hours, and there wasn't a whole lot of TV, but I'd sit and watch MASH with her, because that's what she wanted to watch. But her community still surrounded her. The people from Tyler Street still came. So when you're, when you're where you can't, I get it. But when you can, you should. Because there are places on this earth this day where Christians can't gather the way that we gather. There are places on this earth today to where they still gather, even at risk for their lives. There are places where... Christians and pastors are incredibly, incredibly courageous. I read something recently, which of course had to be true because it was online, but um, about how the Afghan church, and it was posted that the Afghan church was growing more than any church around the world right now. 
Uh, interesting timing, right? And that the pastors there last January were asked to sign their names. And they knew that meant, you know, that wasn't because they would be getting Christmas cards, right? You know, I mean, they knew that was trouble. And yet they did. They said we did it anyway. So as we are connected here by design, so are we connected all over the world. We're connected to the people of Honduras and we're connected to the people of Afghanistan and the people of China and places where you cannot gather. So as we had this privilege, my prayer is we would not take it lightly. See, we all need hope. And hope is not an emotion, right? It's a gift. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. Uh, we all need the opportunity to know that we can have joy even when things are hard because again it's not our emotions it's the belief that that God is faithful and he is and he will bring redemption when i was a teenager young teenager um the the movie love story came out do y'all remember that all the youth are going what um and it was ryan what's his name and O'Neill, maybe, right? And uh, Allie McGraw. And it was just kind of syrupy, you know? I mean, that's fine, but it's kind of like, um, love like that is wonderful, but it's not always realistic. And often love is really hard. And not as in hardness, but as we have to sometimes set our face to love, as Jesus asked us to love. So in this story, uh, it had this song that won like best song or whatever in the Academy Awards. And um, it was, love means you never have to say you're sorry. And I would just say that's not the gospel because we have to repent, right? I mean, that's kind of the whole point of it. Um, and that movie was incredibly famous, and people would say that, and it's kind of like, eh, that's not true. That's really not true. It sounds great in a song. You know, the guy won awards. I'm sure he, you know, made a million. It's not true. Jesus is our hope. I'd like to share something from another student, a CCA student I had in Bible. Um, I want to say... I know she knew the Lord. Don't know about the other guy. Not trying to be tacky. But she put this on Facebook, and I thought it was appropriate to say. There is no situation so chaotic that God cannot, from that situation, create something that is surpassingly good. He did it at the creation. He did it at the cross. He is doing it today. I don't know about you, but I don't know of a time in my life that I remember more prayer being lifted for one country. And it will be amazing to see what God does. He's not asleep, not taking a nap. He knows what's going on. He knows where you are. And he still holds all things together. What a privilege to be able to be here. What hope we have in the gospel that regardless of what things are going on around the world, and it's not that like we're in this little bubble we're very aware and we bear one another's burdens.
but our hope is in him, not in Zeus, not in some weird philosopher. Our hope is in God. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Amen.